Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. Episode 29, I want to say. Sometimes I'm wrong about those episode, episode numbers, though. So, it's somewhere... Yeah, episode 29. Uh, this is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing on this awesome day? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, not, I can never be doing bad when I'm podcasting. The Jedi Council Podcast, it's just my bread and butter. Uh, it just... It makes my day, and it's that good bread content. I don't know. <laughs> it's clearly the Friday evening, and I'm burnt out from the entire week, so people can just deal with my C-list jokes. <laughs> I guess that wasn't even a joke. C-list uh, descriptors. I, I don't know. Well, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. The semester started now. Things are getting busy again, mm-hmm. and uh, but this is... This is what I'm looking forward to every week. It's a true. good podcast episode. Yeah, it's a nice way to conclude the week is talk about some of this nerdy stuff, some of the psychology stuff. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's always a treat. It is. Uh, current events. So the only current event I saw was a funny tweet uh, that kind of was making the rounds. It was sent from Marvel Comics to some of the from the distributors to some of the retailers showing a mystery graphic novel coming out uh, title withheld and cover art withheld and the cost was $35 <laughs> and uh, I saw a few funny tweets people sort of saying the only mystery was that they'd be buying no copies or something like that <laughs> and even Ruckus tweeted about it that for $35 nonetheless so I thought that was kind of funny and and uh, I'm always one to enjoy a, a good hearty chuckle at the uh, my arch nemesis Marvel <laughs> comics in general. So, so it that, was that, kind of nice. It was a nice uh, moment of brevity. I will be curious to see what it is. A thirty-five dollar graphic novel is fairly expensive. They usually clock in more around the twenty dollar for the trade paperbacks, unless it's something really special, which then usually bumps it up to the fifty dollar mark. So a thirty-five dollar price point uh, it does seem a little interesting to me. And I don't know where they're kind of going. So they're kind of coming out of Civil War II right now with Marvel Comics, I think. I only read one issue of all the Civil War event, so I don't know very much about it. And I think they might be getting into some of the Inhumans versus X-Men sort of storyline now, maybe. I don't know. I very admittedly know very little about Marvel compared to DC. So, And you know even less about this mystery graphic uh, novel. Even less about that, yep. So until I can get uh, plant myself as a mole in Marvel <laughs> Comics to destroy the beast from within, <laughs> I won't be able to report on this any further. <laughs> but that does remind me of another recent book that you obtained from DC, the Omnibus. Oh, yes. The, uh, finally, I got that on order and I was able to pick it up yesterday. Yep. The, the So one thing interesting about it, so it's the DC Rebirth Omnibus and what that does is collects from that very first DC Rebirth issue and then all of the number one issues for all their new series. That's so cool. I have to admit I didn't expect it to be quite as bulky as it was when I picked it up. Uh, it's gonna be it. It's gonna be a commitment to read through that thing. But I flipped through it last night, and the art from DC Rebirth is just so absolutely beautiful. And uh, from the number one issues I collected um, already, they're they've all been very good. So I'm excited to read through that and kind of use it as a determination for what trade paperbacks that I'd like to collect. But one thing I thought was interesting, which surprised me, but in retrospect probably shouldn't have, was it was just Volume 1 Omnibus. Oh. So that makes me think that mm-hmm. there will be subsequent volumes 
Uh, so I'll hmm. be curious to see how they continue to make those. If next it'll be all of the number twos, that doesn't make a ton of sense. It made sense to me to sort of collect all of the number ones together into one volume, but I'm not sure about what future volumes of that would look like. It's a very slow way to read through a series oh, if yeah. you wait for that <laughs> book to come out with all of them. Uh, very slow. And so. confusing, I would think. And expensive. Probably. Yeah, exactly. It was, it's a $75 sort of mm-hmm. book. So it's a... Uh, I guess that's probably cheaper than buying all the issues, but it's a big hit at once for sure. Yeah. But anyway, that's my current events, kind of interesting, fun sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, my only current event is that thanks to my cousin Kelly, who is a Buffy fan, she recommended on Netflix that I might like the series. It's a British Netflix series called Crazy Head, and she said it was kind of Buffy-like. And so I watched it, and I was put off by the title because yep. Crazy Head, you know, I like to advocate for mental health and decrease stigma, and Crazy Head doesn't sound like a nice thing to call people, but I decided to kind of suspend that and, and watch the show anyway, and the show itself is really great. It's definitely, if you like Buffy, it's got the horror, comedy, um, good focus on relationships between some between the characters or some strong female leads in there and it's just it's interesting and there are some parts that are just so funny in between the scary parts and it's only six episodes so it's not like a huge time commitment i think i watched it within two or three days it was really good so i've i'm not familiar with crazy head at all could you give a really quick sort of plot summary what is it sort of about yeah i'd be happy to well there is a a woman who they believe is psychotic and this is revealed early on i mean even if you read the summary so i'm not really giving anything away in the story here i mean this is in the first episode because she sees demons and so it's kind of like they're saying you must be having hallucinations associated with schizophrenia or something like that and she's into mental health care but this other woman who is the other lead character uh sees demons as well and and observes the fact that they're both able to do this and then talks to her and says, yeah, I can see those demons too. It's not just in your head. And the medications that they give you do make it go away, but that doesn't mean that it's not really existing. It just means that you don't see it anymore. And so that's kind of the basis of it. And and so they're called seers. And, um, you know, I, I like that. Obviously, that's pretty close to a slayer. Yeah. But it's not so much that it's recreating Buffy or sure. anything like that. And so basically, they're just trying to conquer demons and a big bad and uh, has excellent music along with it. So it's, it, check it out. It's sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to give that a watch. No, it sounds great. And uh, and maybe even gets the very coveted Jedi Council uh, recommendation approval. Mm-hmm, I think so. All right. That sounds great. So uh, the topic of the day, as the folks who are seeing this know, Rogue One. Uh, right out of the gate, we should say uh, Rogue One spoilers dead ahead. If you have not seen Rogue One, do not listen any no, further. Don't. You've no. been warned. You have been warned. Don't tweet at me yelling about Rogue One spoilers because I'm warning you right now. Uh, we are planning to talk about the full movie. So buckle up. Uh, Rogue One, Katie, what did you think? I enjoyed it so much that as soon as it was done, I think I said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again, I wanted to immediately see it again. Absolutely, I me just too. thought it was so fantastic, fast-paced. You kind of knew where the story was going, mm-hmm. and yet... The way that they figured out so cleverly to link it within the universe, I love a good story that kind of is consistent, links up. And so I thought in particular, 
that idea that the flaw in the Death Star mm -hmm. that you see in the original Star Wars series, after all, it wasn't just that someone un unintentionally screwed up, but it was an intentional thing that Jen Orso's dad did. Absolutely. And I, I thought that was so clever. In addition to being a fun way to say, stop making fun of the plotline of A New Hope, everyone, ever yes, for 40 years. Exactly. So that was a nice way <laughs> that to That was a long that. time coming. I, that was just brilliant. I Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it was so great. Right away, I think I, I told you that it might have been my favorite Star Wars mm -hmm. movie. Uh, I've backed off a little on that claim now. I think Empire is probably still my favorite. I want to see it again, though, because it's one of my favorites. It's mm -hmm. so absolutely good. Uh, the pacing was wonderful. The characters were amazing. Uh, I have found myself wanting more of those characters, which yeah. ultimately, and we've, I won't warn about spoilers anymore, but there will be no more of these characters. And, and mm -hmm. that's kind of an assumption maybe going into the mm -hmm. story, is that not everyone is going to pull through. I didn't expect that everyone would die, to be right. honest. That, yeah. I didn't know if maybe they would just do something else or weren't really a part of the rebellion in such an open way. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, it was uh, a tragic movie and uh, as much a war movie as it is a Star Wars movie. Oh, so. it, it really is and I think it had a, a darker, grittier feel. There oh, yeah. are some moments of levity for mm -hmm. sure, but overall, there there wasn't a there wasn't a Jar Jar character no. trying to make it funny, which is Thank probably goodness. why it was so successful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think you hit something uh, that I loved about it too. The way that it tied into the universe was so wonderful. So uh, right away when we saw, I think his first name is Bale, right? Organa, Princess Leia's yes. uh, yep. father. Uh, I really, I think that was maybe one of the first things that tied in, and I was just like, oh, look, at, there he is, like, what, that's so wonderful, and then we've got the two sort of uh, guys uh, from Moss Eisley who were kind of roughing up Luke and Obi-Wan, they kind of popped in for a little uh, cameo, and uh, there were just so many nice tie-ins that really made it feel connected to the universe that weren't sort of cheesy. Uh, right. They didn't feel forced. It felt very natural, and it was really good quality universe building, I thought. So. Yeah, they avoided that some of that criticism for Force Awakens, which I liked very, very much. I did too. But criticism that it was too much of an imitation of A New mm -hmm. Hope, that it just was kind of beat for beat. You mm -hmm. know, there weren't subtle references where with Rogue One, really, if you're a huge Star Wars geek, you notice these things or similar feelings mm -hmm. or connections, but it's not so obvious that Absolutely. that it feels forced or something Absolutely. like that. No yep. pun intended. No. <laughs> that was pretty good. It really wasn't intended. <laughs> <laughs> should take credit for it. It, okay. it was a goodie. Okay. Uh, no, I thought that was great. Um, so uh, another thing that I really sort of... So this was sort of a criticism that I read about it in, in diving into some what people sort of thought about it after I saw it, and which was interesting to me because I just loved it, was this... Uh, so the very moment we first see Darth Vader sort of in a back-to-tank, I think, without his armor... I think it would be a back-to-tank anyway. Some sort of life-sustaining healing tank, mm -hmm. which is a back-to-tank in the universe. Um, I would. I had goosebumps right away, and I was mm -hmm. just like, oh, this this is going to be awesome. Because I didn't know how much Darth Vader to sort of expect, and this was maybe about the midway point of the movie, and I was so happy we were getting to him already. Um, and I do want to say, in balance that, there was just enough Darth Vader. They didn't oh, yeah. go over the top mm -hmm. with it. But uh, so we sort of are introduced to Darth Vader... Uh, and he has this really, what I thought was sort of a funny uh, 
snarky line uh, while force choking someone, which never an advocate for force choking people, but while force choking someone says, uh, don't choke on your aspirations. And I think I just like fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very much in character of Darth Vader, who is sort of, I mean, if you think about Anakin Skywalker, he was kind of a smart ass. Yeah, you know? exactly. He was very sarcastic. Yep. Uh, so I thought it was very in character. And uh, and I I thought it was great, but some people seem to disagree. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was great, too. And it's not like I'm not sensitive to like cheesy lines I mean that was one of the criticisms in Suicide Squad that there were some lines in there that seemed like oh, ridiculous. And there were some real cheesers in Suicide mm-hmm. Squad there and, were, and I like Suicide Squad but uh, there were some cheesers There were but oh, yeah. this didn't feel that way it did seem no. consistent with his character and he's one of the most developed fictional characters in movies I mean we've had so many movies with him and oh, so absolutely. it just seemed like very much I mean the line in and of itself is perfect he's asserting his power he's invoking the force which he's obviously a firm believer in I, yes. I so I thought it was great his involvement and placement like you said I thought was the perfect balance mm-hmm. honestly and uh, my favorite part of the movie was this sort of ending Darth Vader yes. horror scene mm-hmm. uh, that made me think they could have had a horror movie about Darth Vader that was like not like anything that I expected, or I think is anywhere else in the Star Wars universe to have these rebel soldiers literally fleeing for their lives, and the one pounding on the window to help him and help him, and then realizing he's not getting out and passing the uh, data plants through the opening in the door that's jammed shut, while Darth Vader's just kind of mowing through these guys, which really caught me off guard, and that was a real edge of your seat sort of mm-hmm. scene uh, that. I'm very consistent with, I think, how we've conceptualized Darth Vader in the past to be just sort of a guy who's just doing what he's going to do, and that's the way it is. Ruthless. Absolutely. uh, Doing whatever he has to 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 meet his goal. Uh Uh-huh. And and also, that's to see him with his lightsaber. I mean, that was unexpected, too, Mm -hmm. and that was really really cool. Great, great scene. Uh, Another thing that I saw some mixed feedback about were the digital recreations of some mm-hmm. of the characters. So I think I saw a lot less about the Princess Leia towards the end uh, because it was a, it was a little more subtle. It was just sort of a one that one scene. Uh, but Grand Moff Tarkin, I saw a little more criticize, criticism and a little more commentary about. So Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, for folks who might not know, I, it was the the animation was very good but it was still obvious that it was animation i thought i don't know what it wasn't obvious to me oh it wasn't okay <laughs> but i okay. but honestly i i was like he looks just like him and then i was like oh that is him you know yeah. i mean i know that the actor is deceased mm-hmm. i wasn't that completely out of the loop but i didn't i thought the animation was pretty good it was very good yeah so, i agree no 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 you might be more sensitive to those points though and I picked it up i have heard that criticism for sure when um, when did grand when did that actor Uh, Peter Cushing was the guy who played him. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure off the top Hmm. of my head when he died. I can look it up really quick here. But one thing, I did want to say my favorite Mm -hmm. thing about Peter Cushing, uh, who passed away in 1994, August 11th in 94. Uh, One thing that's fun about him, so he's he's actually one of my favorite Star Wars characters probably, which is a little more subtle, but I think he's... He's sort of this guy who's completely unbothered by Darth Vader, Mm -hmm. very much respects Darth Vader for the uh, tool that he is to him, but is very much unbothered by Darth Vader. And you might remember in A New Hope, he's sort of the one who's 
come on, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Like, let's quit force joking people. We've got work to do. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like that character uh, characterization. But what I really like about Peter Cushing is that every time that you see him in Star Wars: A New Hope, he's actually wearing slippers. What? Which, are, yeah, he just really liked being comfortable. <laughs> uh, so, and when the shots didn't include his feet, he would be just cruising around in his slippers. So that sort of adds a sort of personal <laughs> fun uh, part to the character that uh, makes in him my less mind. Scary. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, but. Uh, even though I was able to tell mm-hmm. that it was, I could tell that it was animated. I thought I have a very uns- actually. It might have been those three D glasses I had. That on. Might, that's actually a good point. I did. I saw it in two D. They so distorted that, my view sure. such that I couldn't notice. Yeah, that's Absolutely. it. <laughs> um, I still thought the characterization was good. I thought mm-hmm. the voice was spot on, yeah. uh, and I thought that it was awesome to see him sort of in the governor role before he became the Grand Moff, uh, and. He personified some of those things too. Like he just kind of takes over, and I forget the one character director. Uh, I don't remember that guy's name, mm-hmm. who kind of was in charge mm-hmm. of building the Death Star. He just kind of comes in and says, oh, "Well, the Death Star is awesome. I'm sorry I doubted you. Uh, the Death Star is mine now. So thank you for that." And uh, that was something that I was just like, "Huh? That? Uh, ah, I don't know. It was just kind of fun to see that. You'd, we didn't get as much characterization from him." Out of mm-hmm. a new hope, uh, where he actually dies with the Death Star. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- I thought that was cool, and I did actually. I liked how they, with Leia, how they got an actress that looked like her and then just digitally enhanced it. I thought that was a cool. Oh, is way that to how do- it was done? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know how those were done. I was really curious about for her. They yeah, they found this actress. I don't remember where she's from, but who, very similar, and then they just kind of punched it up with digital oh, stuff cool. instead of completely digitally creating her. Which I thought so too. Yeah. And for such a tragic, horrible story to be able to have it end on that note where it almost directly connects to New Hope, mm-hmm. I that was just so well done. I thought oh, that absolutely. was great. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good too. So no complaints about the digital recreations, uh, no complaints about Darth Vader, mm. no complaints in general. No, I, think, I don't really. I don't have many complaints at all. Um, there were some really interesting characters involved. I think that that was neat. There was uh, definitely a diverse cast, oh, yeah. which got a lot of attention. I thought that was great. Is it Chirrut Imway? I'm not sure how to pronounce. I had it. a really hard time with the names. Uh, so they're all so they're all very um, names that were that are you would find in the sort of universe. Uh, that you maybe we aren't totally familiar saying mm-hmm. so I was having a hard time catching the names uh, so I think that's how it was pronounced but yeah what a cool character mm-hmm. uh, sort of like uh, not a force sensitive character but someone who's very familiar with the force I actually was so interested in that character I looked up and read more about the character uh, after the movie oh. and as it turned out uh, that character had some sort of role in like uh, protecting something having to do with the Jedi or something so he had something to do with the force or the Jedi or something I don't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head so that's how he was familiar with the crystals and and the force and everything like that and uh, really just a neat character uh, one of many uh, so yeah, and one of really the loved great. quotes from it, the "I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me." Very, uh, really a good quote. Yeah, people yeah. like that. I could definitely see that as a mindfulness type mantra or yeah. something for Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that. I mean, or change it to whatever you want. I mean, I saw that some people of different religions found s- similar ideas within their own 
texts, their own yeah. religious texts, just the idea that, that of that connection with something mm-hmm. bigger than themselves. So I thought that was really cool, too. Absolutely. Uh, K2SO, what an awesome character. Alan Tudyk is great. It's hard to go wrong oh, with yeah. him. He He's is really so, amazing. Oh, my gosh. For a droid, that droid like added that much-needed humor that we... That we and what caught me off guard about him, mm-hmm. about the character, was... We didn't really see a ton in the trailer of Kate. Uh, so when yeah. he was just really such a wonderful character who had these really funny lines and added that sort of just the right amount of comedic humor while also sort of like uh, almost not really meta in a way, but sometimes like, really, that's what's happening mm-hmm. right now? Um, a great character who I was just devastated when we saw him sort of protecting yeah. uh, Jin. And Cassian, uh, mm-hmm. as in helping them sort of accomplish their goal, uh, man, really a great one of. All, I mean, and I can't emphasize enough how great all of the characters were, but but really just such a solid, diverse cast. If I can keep going about that diverse cast, yes, there was something that uh, Diego Luna, the actor who plays Cassian, shared on his Facebook page that I thought was worth reading. And then I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the psychological benefits maybe uh, or speculate about. I, I'm not terribly familiar with any literature, but we can certainly talk about some of the benefits of representation in film. Because I think... Well, I'm going to read the quote, and then we'll talk about it. That sounds good. We're, okay. we're trying to keep that psychology in there for you We're trying to keep the psychology. We, we think that's important. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I'll just read the quote. Uh, it was something that he shared on his social media uh, that someone else posted. So it reads, I took my father to see Rogue One today. I've wanted to take him for a while. I wanted my Mexican father with his thick Mexican accent to experience what it was like to see a hero in a blockbuster film speak the way he does. Although I wasn't sure if it was going to resonate with him, I took him anyway. When Diego Luna's character came on screen and started speaking, my dad nudged me and said, he has a heavy accent. I was like, yep. When the film was over and we were walking to the car, he turns to me and says, did you notice that he had an accent? And I said, yeah, dad, just like yours. Then my dad asked me if the film had made a lot of money. I told him it was the second highest grossing film of 2016, despite it only being out for 18 days in 2016 since the new year came around. Uh, He then asked me if people liked the film. I told him it had had a huge following online and great reviews. He then asked me why Diego Luna hadn't changed his accent. I told him that Diego had openly talked about keeping his accent and how proud he is of it. And my dad was silent for a while. And then he said, and he was a main character. And I said, he was. And my dad was so happy. And we drove home, or as we drove home, he started telling me about other Mexican actors that he thinks should be in movies in America. Representation matters. Uh, and Diego tweeted it, shared it, and sort of, he's tweeted exactly saying, I got emotional reading this, and then hashtag Rogue One Star Wars. And so, I, I, that's just so wonderful uh, t- it, for me to read that, about yeah. someone who maybe went their whole life sort of without uh, having that sort of representation in these sort of big mainstream blockbuster films, who could be so impacted by that. And just, I, it's hard for me to imagine what that experience must be like. And uh, I, I really enjoyed when I first saw that, too. And I thought it was certainly worth talking about because I think the, this is uh, an, an incredibly diverse cast in a multiple way, uh, or a variety of ways. So. Yeah, I, I love that, too. I think that part of it is in, in public, we know this, people will make statements that can undervalue certain groups of people. Yeah. And one kind of, I like to think, 
counteraction is or counterpoint to that is when you have these types of things. And so it's like, yeah. yes, people value this. They really like this movie. He had his axe and all that other stuff. And it, it's kind of, I guess, evidence that there are people who feel this way and support you and value people from your culture versus mm -hmm. some of the negative things that you hear out there that right that's all over the internet mm -hmm. that um, people write hateful comments and, yeah. and do hateful things off the internet too. Absolutely. And so I feel like it's a strong counterpoint with something as big as Star Wars that obviously can be meaningful to someone. And when watching the story, I'd be surprised if, you know, it, it certainly, I guess in the past, some movies, including comic book movies, have been criticized for casting someone who's very famous over trying to have a diverse mm -hmm. cast Doctor or something Strange like that. Doctor yeah. got into a little bit of that. There was some talk about that for Doctor Strange. Exactly, mm -hmm. and some people were like, well, people aren't going to want to see the movie if it isn't like this. And mm -hmm. clearly, that didn't stop. I mean, it's right. a Star Wars movie, and they made that a value that was important to them. And they got really... I mean, Diego Luna is a fantastic actor. It's not oh, like anything absolutely. like that, but they they seem to be purposeful and intentional in that. And so it's so nice to hear that that connected with a lot of people mm -hmm. who are less represented in Hollywood movies, typically, and stuff like that. Another thing that I wonder, mm -hmm. and maybe you could speak more to this, that when I think about representation, I think about for um, children or adolescents to have someone to look up to in mm -hmm. those sort of movies. So anyone who knows me or has listened to the podcast, of course, knows uh, how much Batman means to me. Mm -hmm. But when you think about Batman, who is a, uh, an upper-class uh, white male, um, sure, that might map on to some of the characteristics that I have. And Batman does a lot of great things, and I don't feel bad for having a... You know, in, yeah. in a connection with Batman. Of course. But uh, how important is it for people who might have other uh, characteristics or come from other places to be able to see superheroes, which, I, of course, Star Wars isn't a superhero movie, but these are people doing amazing things, yes. just like superheroes yes. do, uh, who look just like them. Mm -hmm. And that's what, a, you know, for a little kid to say, look, that person looks just like me doing these amazing things. And I just think about how important and impactful that might be uh, for for from that perspective exactly and and i think that that was you know one of for force awakens well the people who didn't like it that criticized mm -hmm. it usually people who had concerns that seemed to be uh, about based on bigotry and stuff like that but the people who enjoyed it talked about how great it was to see finn and ray and kind of yeah. this diverse cast and so i think that you're absolutely right that we tend to look at models and sometimes we're looking for some similar characteristics mm -hmm. and we talked a bit about this with Wonder Woman and how important it is that in some storyline she is and from the beginning identifies as queer or mm -hmm. bisexual or something like that and how many people have personally, Gail Simone was saying at Comic Con type events said that Wonder Woman saved them because they, yeah. they connected Absolutely. with this her accepting message but just that she herself identified as bisexual or queer or that she was attracted to women. And so I think it's really important, and the movie does a great job with that. So from a psychological perspective, mm -hmm. what do you think, having that sort of, having these, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but having these sort of uh, people that you can look up to that look like you, and I mm -hmm. know that's a simplistic way to think about it, but I think that's maybe how a, a little kid might think about it, you know. Am I, do you think I'm Oh, yeah, I think that's that? right. I mean, one thing that you see a lot is that kids kind of identify their models along gender lines. It's yeah. not always that case, but you mm -hmm. see that. So I think people do look at characteristics and and see that. I mean, there there's a lot of discussion about that idea that maybe you see yourself cast in other roles, and it can also 
chip away at stereotypes. If mm-hmm. you know, whereas if characters are cast consistent with stereotypes, okay, sure. then that can perpetuate and strengthen those stereotypes because a lot of people are exposed to Hollywood. And so the idea of seeing counters to that can also mm-hmm. help show you know we value you and you can be a hero too and that kind of stuff so i think in a lot of what we've talked about is speculation but it is based on the idea so we want to be clear about that but it is based on the idea that um there's certainly a lot of anecdotal reports of that and there is some research looking at this diversity matter within fields because you can see someone that you connect with and kind of visualize yourself a little bit more in that role that's a really great way to sort of make that into a i don't want to say a real example but to tie the research that might be applicable Mm -hmm. um to the same concepts Mm -hmm. yeah the diversity in in specific fields I, i know there's a lot looking at stem representation Mm -hmm. so and hollywood matters a lot for that stuff because eating disorders for example people are impacted their body satisfaction because they compare themselves to people who are represented in hollywood so it seems like other characteristics might also be that way and and, you know maybe it's easy for my mind to jump to the things that i that i've read about representation Mm -hmm. in stem but i'm also a part of the stem community Hollywood is something that I think not everyone is a part of, but everyone consumes something that comes from it. So I think that speaks to the importance of representation on that broader sort of spectrum or Mm -hmm. or scale. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it it definitely anecdotally seems that way, and it fits within some existing psychological models. Absolutely. Uh, So... Maybe continue on with the sort mm-hmm. of idea of representation. The main character, uh, Jin Erso, uh, what an awesome character. Yeah. Uh, so I've kind of saved some of my comments about Jin for the end here because I, I kind of wanted to speak a little more about her. Uh, someone who had, uh, you know, not in a, uh, I mean, a terrible life, really. Yes, yeah. Saw the, her mother was killed, her father was taken, and she was sort of left in a hole mm-hmm. and then uh, was maybe raised for a while by an extremist sort of person who seemed to have a good heart but we don't get to learn a lot about him but he was certainly too extreme for the rebellion and then he left her right, too yep. and then she was in prison and so I, there were a couple of really great Jin Urso quotes that you had mentioned that I think are worth sharing and maybe talking a little bit about uh, for a bunch of different reasons because I think they're actually really deep quotes uh, the first is uh, one of I think uh, if you could pick a quote that is the tagline from the movie, I think this would be it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Uh, I think that speaks to the importance of hope, uh, both just as a construct on its own and psychologically as well. Uh, I think you know, hope comes into play in a lot of things. I mean, just having something to look forward to and maybe know that things are going to get better. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of talking off the cuff here, but... Uh, hope comes into play, I think, in therapy a bit too, and trying mm-hmm. to maybe give them, instill in uh, your patient some hope that the way that their life is right now is not the way that it always has to be. And it certainly protects against things like suicide. If you look at Absolutely. hopelessness, that's a risk factor that's been connected to suicide. And I mean, so to have someone who's had such a stressful life and basically has not much at all mm-hmm. saying how how are we going to find the power to fight for this important cause and we have hope what a cool message to find hope in tragic times and i think that one of the things that we've talked about before is that one thing that people like about star wars is it's a, a more comfortable abstract way to talk about 
political, religious, societal issues, but in a fictional world. And I think there are certain points in history where people can relate to where am I going to find the energy or motivation to fight for this cause that I think is right in here. It's like we have hope and, and that's that's led us to victory before. And Absolutely. so I, that's very meaningful. And I love the theme and obviously the full connection yeah. to A New Hope. It's just oh, fantastic. I, I mean, you just cannot get better screenwriting mm-hmm. than that, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, great. It ties together that mm-hmm. film and builds it into the universe in a way that I never expected, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, another really interesting sort of uh, meaningful Jane Erso quote, I've never had the luxury of political opinions. I think that really speaks to the sort of life that she had. And so what we have here is this uh, essentially galactic civil war between the Empire and the Rebellion. And she's sort of gotten pulled into the Rebellion side of it. She was in an Imperial prison, uh, being sent to a prison camp, I think, or maybe was forced to work as part of her prison sentence. I don't know if I'm remembering that quite right. And the Rebellion sort of breaks her out, and they want to recruit her but sort of blackmail her into it. And I think it reinforces the quote that that's great. Uh, she's never really had that luxury her mm-hmm. life. Uh, she, you know, That's not a privilege that she's had to be able to take the time to think about political stances and which side of things does she fall on. Totally. She's in survival mode and Absolutely. just trying to do whatever it takes to survive. And to me, what that made me think about is, to me it was humbling because... I think that sometimes I I think a lot about my particular opinion on this political issue or this societal issue, and I'm thinking a lot in abstracts and theoretical, but for people who are directly impacted and just trying to survive and move through those things, it is a luxury to Mm -hmm. actually sit back and have opinions. Sometimes the people who are in it, it's not an opinion. It's just a matter of their life or their death or the quality of their life. And so to me, I thought that was a fantastic line too that draws attention to this idea that, you know, that really is a privilege to be able to sit back and think about opinions in a hypothetical model. Absolutely. And maybe connected to to that sort of uh, line of thought or or reasoning. She had another quote sort of asking, you know, how did she deal with life uh, under imperial rule? She says, uh, it's not a problem if you don't look up. Mm-hmm. And I think that continues that line of thought that uh, really the, her life wasn't going to change either way based on her position. Uh, the only time it really mattered was if she was looking up to see an imperial flag or imperial ships. I don't remember if, if it was referencing flags or ships, but it probably applies to both. And, uh, you know, just it kind of continues that same sort of line of thought. It's, uh, I don't want to say, I mean, it maybe made her a, a little apathetic about right. the rebellion or the civil war. Uh, you know, what has it done for her or mm-hmm. where she's at in life? And I don't know. And I think, I don't know if you have anything more to say in that exact line, but I th- yeah. I think it leads to mm-hmm. a, a different view of the rebellion too. Mm-hmm. So if we think about the rebellion as it was portrayed, sort of in the original trilogy, as this very hopeful, optimistic yeah. force of good, but we see a little bit different side of it in this movie, and I think that's because we are taking a step back yeah. outside of it and kind of seeing some of the people that don't really fall on the same side. I, I even there's a quote from somewhere. I think it's from one of the Star Wars video games, actually, from someone who says, you know, from an outsider Jedi and Sith are just the same it doesn't matter to us Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that could be applied on a larger scale to the rebellion in the empire as well it doesn't really matter to the people who are getting stomped on underneath both yeah I, I think that's a great point that some people you can stay neutral and kind of 
bury your head in the sand. Other people can't because their lives are such that they're affected that even if you look away, you're still directly affected by that. And that certainly relates. I think that sometimes, understandably, people say, I want to stay out of that or I don't want to express an opinion about that kind of thing because it doesn't directly impact them. But um, some people pick up the need for a cause and fight for it because it does directly impact them or they care about the people it impacts. So Absolutely. I thought that those were important points too. Very good. We've gone over time as <laughs> yeah. usual or maybe as expected. Mm -hmm. But uh, in some Rogue One, uh, uh, an absolutely wonderful movie for so many reasons. Not only is the story wonderful, not only does it tie into the universe beautifully, um, not only is there a really diverse cast that can appeal to a wide variety of audiences and re represents all, uh, mm -hmm. so many different people from so many different walks of life. I, I think I, there's not anything that they could have done better or differently, in my opinion. I, I, I agree. Well, maybe then uh, we can move on to our, uh, our very classic and always looked forward to Pearls of Wisdom with Brandon segment. Uh, I want to have our Pearl of Wisdom today be an additional gin quote for everyone. Uh, which is to say uh, this is our chance to make a real difference, which is a theme in a lot of our Jedi Council mm -hmm. sort of things. Uh, you know, I see a lot of comments about things about maybe like representation, and maybe it's hard for people to understand who, like myself, who maybe have never had a problem with representation in this society. And maybe people who say, you know, well, why does it matter or don't think about it? I don't know. Maybe the make to make a difference. Uh, just try to be try to take someone else's perspective, maybe, or try to do a little perspective taking, and just think about that quote that we shared that was uh, shared on uh, Diego Luna's page, and uh, and just think about how important that would be for someone else. I don't know. I, that was kind of an off the cuff pearl of wisdom, but that's that's what I've got for today. I think it's a great pearl of wisdom because there is a surprising amount of backlash yeah. to some of these things, and so I think that part of it is you're right. It's being able to take someone else's perspective and think about what it might mean to them. It's I don't mean to get too caught up on, on my sort of uh, high horse about it, but I, it's something that I'm always surprised when I see backlash yeah. about because who is it hurting to have other people besides just yourself represented mm -hmm. in things? I don't know. I don't want to get too pushy about it maybe right now. No, but, I know what you mean. Well, with Finn being cast mm -hmm. as a stormtrooper, I was surprised by how many people were Absolutely. upset about that. Yeah. But, but even, I mean, and it connects with real life. There was a black Santa Claus, right, in yep. Minnesota and there were people upset about mm -hmm. that. Again, a fictional character. And yeah. uh, it is hard for me to understand. I will try to take the perspective of those people, but hopefully they will also try to take other people's perspectives. Absolutely. So that was my pearl of wisdom. Uh, all in the heart of like what we're trying to do here just to have an open mind and mm -hmm. just talk about these things and make a difference by maybe just thinking about how the world looks for someone differently yeah that's what i've got sounds good yeah so uh folks as always thanks so much for listening and we hope that you enjoyed rogue one as much as we have and we've really enjoyed uh talking about it for all of you uh you can find us at www.jedi-council.com and uh, we've got our facebook twitter we've got both of those you can find us on there our podcast available on itunes and stitcher and podbean and uh, if you like what we're doing, please leave a review. We'll have a new blog post for this sort of blog that we do with the psychological evaluations coming up in about 10 or 10 or 12 days or so. And then uh, also uh, 
pull up our Twitter page, we're actually going to be doing a giveaway. So we are fortunate enough to have over a thousand followers on Twitter right now, which is so amazing. Thank you all so much for all of your support. Uh, as part of the, th- I think we missed it. We're we're a ways over a thousand right now, but we did want to celebrate having a thousand followers. So we're going to do a another giveaway, uh, and we wanted to sort of think of an idea. So what we did was list four of our favorite graphic novels. That tweet's going to be up for the next seven days. Uh, go on there and maybe vote for which one that you'd like to see, and whichever one of those graphic novels has the most votes, we're going to do for a giveaway um, sometime in the near future here. So. As always, folks, thanks so much for everything, uh, all your support. Um, Yeah, that's all I've got, Katie. Anything else before we close out? Nope. I think you got it all. Sounds good. Uh, No no fancy sign-off for today because I didn't think of one ahead of time. So have have a good weekend.